Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bingeworthy, a podcast dedicated to wading into the deep, overcrowded TV and streaming content waters to bring you, the listener, all of the shows that are worthy of your time and attention. Hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo, and editor-in-chief of The Playlist, Rodrigo Perez. Now, this week, Rodrigo is up to his ears in everything Cannes Film Festival, so it's up to me to bring you our latest episode, which is on HBO Max's new series, The Time Traveler's Wife, which premiered this past weekend and will run a new episode every week for the next five weeks for a six-episode first-season run. After I break down my thoughts, writer Stephen Moffat and director David Nutter stop by to chat about Bring the show to HBO Max. Stephen Moffat, you may know for his time writing, you know, the Benedict Cumberbatch, Martin Freeman, Sherlock series, or Doctor Who, or the 2020 Dracula miniseries, which I loved. And then David Nutter is probably most famous for directing multiple standout episodes of Game of Thrones, as well as Lost in Space, Shameless, Arrow, The Flash. He's done a ton of great pilots, uh, and they were excellent to talk to. And being a fan of theirs, it came as no surprise that I enjoyed their adaptation of The Time Traveler's Wife. Uh, So let's get into that. Now, this story obviously started as a book and then a successful film with Rachel McAdams and Eric Bana, but the series really feels like, you know, a romance novel slash sci-fi tale come to life. So they don't really make a lot of shows or movies like this anymore. So it feels pretty unique where the movie had to move along at a quick pace. This is allowed to really sink into the characters and their motivations and the absolute nightmare that it would be to time travel unwillingly through your life. And Theo James and Rose Leslie, the the stars of the, the show, are really good. They both do an impressive job playing the nuances of people at different points in their lives. Yes, there's an issue that a lot of people raise with the book and the film and now the series, which is the grooming of it all. Was the main character grooming the young girl version of his wife, which I would understand if it wasn't an involuntary time travel, you know, kind of story. You know, he slips back to people or incidents that most affect him so it would make sense that you'd slip back to see your wife at different times subconsciously so would you befriend that younger version of them it's a big question at the center of it and it's even addressed in the show itself by rose's character too so you be the judge there um but beyond that 
it's well told it's well made i do have some issues with you know putting the leads in that old age makeup but you know we discussed this in the interview they really had no choice because they didn't want to separate you know uh, the actors playing them at older ages so yes in the age of the rom-com you know when it's returning to form and outlander has proved that you can do a sci-fi tinged romance over a long period of time the time traveler's wife basically feels like it's in the right place at the right time no pun intended uh for once so okay without further delay let's time slip over to my conversation with the delightful team of director david nutter and writer stephen moffat uh david stephen big fan of the both of you and surprise surprise i very much enjoyed the time traveler's wife so congrats again thank you good awesome awesome so let's start right at the question that you've been likely getting a lot this was a very popular book and a successful movie, which I could have sworn came out within the last five to 10 years, but obviously 13 years have passed and then I feel even older, you but <laughs> you both stepped into something that exactly has been told before. So what made you want to do this as a series? Did you feel like it hadn't been properly adapted? No, I didn't feel that at all. I think it's a good movie. Um, no, but a movie is not a TV show. Yes. You know, it's not a TV show, but it's a very, very different thing. Uh, there, are, there are opportunities and indeed limitations in a TV show that a movie does not have for that reason. I mean, I think it would be too early to remake the movie. I don't think you should do another movie of it right now. But, uh, uh, but I think there is, a, you know, the, the very different rhythm of television, the, uh, the greater space that you've got. Uh, the fact that, I mean, I, I, as I keep saying, the limitation of having to tell that story in two hours is how much time you have to spend on the time travel. <laughs> it takes us about three episodes to nail down for the audience exactly how this works. That's three hours <laughs> before you're... So imagine having, that's not much time left if you're doing a one-off movie to get into what it's really about, which is the wife. It's not the time traveler, it's the time traveler's wife. And the story of love and loss over time, which is what it's about. It's not really about time travel. It's not Quantum Leap. It's not Doctor Who. It's uh, it's about love and loss. But you need to bolt on the time travel and then take it for granted. Yes, exactly. And also feel, I feel that uh, we, we didn't treat the time travel as something where you had to explain it every week. Because, mm -hmm. you know, Henry's not a scientist. He's not a, anything in that world. He's basically an emotional guy that this becomes, in a sense, a disability for him. And it's basically dealing with it from a very emotional level and to make it as honest as possible and make it and treat it like that because I think that's kind of what we do and make that a reality, which is very important. Absolutely. And, you know, so much of this hinges on finding the right, you know, Henry and Claire, obviously. So finding Rose Leslie, finding Theo James, obviously these roles are unusually demanding. How long did it take for you to really search for Henry and Claire? And I'm assuming the question that kept coming up with, with Henry is like, are you comfortable being naked a lot? And how much? Well, uh, fortunately he was. It is. <laughs> yeah. But for, for, my, for my own self, uh, basically for the character of Claire, I read page, to, around page 30 and I closed mm. the script and I wrote Rose Leslie because <sighs> I worked with her on Game of Thrones and everything she says Every action she takes and does felt like Rose Leslie to me. And as far as Theo James is concerned, I found out something he had done about 10 years ago. I was cutting the Arrow pilot. Next door, they were cutting a show on CBS about a young DA. And I kept saying, who's that actor? Who's that actor? It was Theo James. So I kind of kept him in my back pocket and kept him find, you know, finding out what he's up to. 
And I also didn't never find he never found that right element yet. So yeah. I said, this is this is a script that is going to demand a lot from Stephen uh, from Theo, and I think Theo's going to want to do that. So I met with him and we talked, and he basically became the best actor who could have ever played this role. I like that David sometimes confuses me and Theo. Uh, yeah. A lot of people get mixed up, you know. <laughs> Totally understand. One of those things. We, we often play tricks on people. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, f- uh, for me, uh, I, we had a bunch of Claire's and we saw them and only o- only Rose got the vitality and the, the fieriness. It's very easy to play Claire as a sort of passive person, a yes. sort of waiting mm-hmm. person. But uh, Rose just got, that's not what she's like. She might like the future she's being shown, but she doesn't like being told she's got no choice. That's a hard line to play. So, she, and, and you know that downright prepared to be not that pleasant sometimes. Because Claire's not always lovely no. at all. There's a great line in the book, which I moved into the, uh, into the dialogue, which uh, when Claire first fa- realizes that uh, Henry already has a girlfriend and she sees all the stuff in the bathroom and she says to herself, well, bad luck, dear. I'm here now. <laughs> that's and I put it, I, I made her say it out loud in the TV show because I thought that's her. She's no, she's tough. So that's what Rose could do. For Theo, uh, he was the one who just knew how to be the different Henrys. Yes. He could be, you know, the young light. Most of them could either do one version or the other, but they couldn't mm-hmm. do both. And these subtleties uh, that Theo is capable of in that part. I mean, he's way more than just a pretty face, though, damn his eyes, he is a pretty face. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, I think, back in episode six, when he's sitting on the sofa with uh, with Rose and suddenly Rose is the older woman and he suddenly seems so much more childlike. Yeah. So he's, uh, he could just pinpoint how to be the 36-year-old, wise, clever, presidential one and the young, annoying asshole one in the library. He could do both make it clear that they're the same person and give you a set of nuances that are that, that add up to somebody else entirely. I, I, amazing. Tremendous performance. His character was probably the most demanding role that I've ever cast. And mm. Theo uh, hit a Grand Slam home run. No idea. Yeah. He really is excellent as Henry. And they have to kind of play, like you were saying, they have to play some like late teens or 20s or and then they have to go through their older age. Was there ever a consideration to cast people at different ages, like different actors for different ages? Or was it always going to be, this is the guy, we're just going to do some aging makeup and and de-aging? I don't think you can do it. I think if you're going to remain emotionally connected with somebody, it has to be the same actor. And you have to take the hit of there's going to be makeup, you know. Uh, Obviously, it's a different teen, Henry, but we've got a very good Theo double for that and a very good child uh, Henry tremendously, uh, but uh, but I think you have to follow the same the same performance. So no, we absolutely had to be the same one. And we sort of discussed at the beginning, David and I, at what point it's okay to have a different younger actor. Yeah, we reckon from the moment that Claire uh, starts to take a, an interest in Henry when she's young, that has to be Rose. You know, yeah. we have to switch to Rose at that point. We, but, but we thought, well, teen Henry, I'm just, we're just not just going to buy uh, the big old adult that Theo is as a 15-year-old. <laughs> That's just not possible. Right. Uh, so uh, it, was, it, was, it was a sophisticated bit of judgment. 
And but though I think David Rubin, our brilliant casting director, did an amazing job of finding the the younger versions. Absolutely amazing. Genius. Yeah, he's a yeah, brilliant. The teenager player. is is pretty spectacular as well. It the it's pretty crazy how similar they are. Yeah. And I haven't read the book here, but I've seen the movie a couple of times. Obviously, I've seen the series or what you've done with it. Was there anything that you've changed or wanted to focus on more uh, than the book or the film that you specifically wanted to be different? Or was the idea to make it as faithful to the book's experience as possible? Well, it's, I mean, it is not faithful to the detail. I'm not mm-hmm. claiming that it is uh, because there's, you know, there, but that, I mean, I love the book. It's not, I'm not amending or correcting the book. But a book is different from a TV show. It has to operate differently. I moved the time frame. I moved the young Henry and young Claire, the, the 20s version, to, a, to much closer to the present day than, uh, the, than they would be if I'd stuck to the book, uh, you know, because that's really quite a long time ago. And there's just other things that, that don't, I mean, cut off. It's not, as I say, uh, a book has got a beginning, middle and end, and a TV show has a beginning, middle and end once a week. So you have to actually have that, that, that shape, that structure all the time. Some of my favorite moments in the book, like, uh, well, you wouldn't know them, but uh, like the haircut, like the, the staircase, um, wouldn't make a whole episode. So in a way, you're spinning, you're taking that idea and saying, OK, if this idea were not three pages, but were actually a 60 page screenplay, what would it be like? So, it beca- so you hope you're hopefully going to recreate the same emotions or some of the same emotions as the book but by different means television is not the same it's not that different from doing Sherlock any uh, any Sherlock Holmes story done at a proper pace would give you about 20 minutes of screen time and we (laughs) needed 90 so you know you gotta do that I can't help but notice uh, that, you know, like you were saying, this is a a six episode series. It's not the entire story necessarily. So were you rolling the dice in hopes of, you know, we can just keep telling the story or did you have some assurances going in that you're going to get at least a season two or something like that? Rolling the dice. It's all up to how well you write your article, (laughs) uh, whether we survive. So we're all on me. We've got to roll the dice. What's the point in life if you don't do that? Would you, I know, I know Audrey's been working on a sequel for almost like a mm-hmm. decade. Have you talked with her about that? Would you go into that story as well? If well, I haven't read the sequel. Uh, hardly anyone's read this. She's finished it. She's finished oh. it. It's been delivered. She's uh, waiting for her editor. Uh, so I stay in touch with Audrey, obviously. Uh, so I haven't read it. So I don't know. Uh, at the moment, what we're doing is the time traveler's wife. We're just sticking to that. I mean, I know that, uh, David, you were obviously you mentioned before you're the the director of many memorable episodes of Game of Thrones. I know there are a bunch of series in the works. Is there any chance that we get another trip into Westeros for you or or is that something that's not really you want to leave it where you had it? Well, you know what? I have to tell you, when I read these screenplays, I basically I'm the kind of guy that will come and direct the pilot and leave or I direct episodes I have time to do, which is great. But when I read this, I wanted to do everyone. Yeah. And I hope to be involved in this for a little longer. And uh nothing's in nothing's in my in my sights or nothing do I care about or want to do more than this again. Mm-hmm. Because this story was about the best I've ever had. Yeah, it's a great story. And so you directed all all six of them. Yes. That had to be a huge undertaking as far but, as you know, it, it was a situation where it was the most difficult job I ever had. But also, yeah. too, it was the easiest job because I've been wanting to tell this story and stories like this for all my life. And I think that uh, I'd read the scene, talk to Stephen about it, and I'd know how to do it. It just came to me. 
So I think it was just something that was fate. Absolutely. And, and Stephen, as a huge Sherlock fan, I'm sure you're sick of the question, but I would kick myself if I didn't at least confirm that there will be no more Sherlock stories from you and hey, the dynamic Benedict and, Benedict and Martin, I'll do it again. I mean, it's uh, uh, Mark and I would do it again. And then Sue, uh, it's down to whether our, uh, our two uh, movie stars want to do it again. Uh, and I can understand why they might not want to. You know, come on, it's probably peaked in some ways. I mean, you're not going to get a much bigger hit than that ever, are you? But, you know, if if they were up for it and we could all recover from the loss of Una Stubbs as Mrs. Hudson, which is pretty mm. tough for us, then, you know, I have certainly not closed the door on it ever, ever. I love doing Sherlock Holmes. I'd love it uh, if we did it again. Uh, but down to, uh, to Benedict and Martin. Awesome. There you go. That's it. I want to thank you both for your time. Uh, they're giving me the wrap. So for our listeners, I will just say the Time Traveler's Wife premieres on HBO Max on May 15th. Stephen, David, again, it's great. Congratulations on another winner. Thank you thank so much. You. Thank you very much. 